0: Amen. I can turn to, uh I think it's Philippians, the fourth chapter. Amen. Amen. I, in all honesty, struggled this week on what I was going to speak about because the Lord's been dealing with me in a couple of different areas which we've been talking about in our Wednesday night class I know this much you can't preach, you can't speak, you can't teach about anything unless God's dealing with you in it or has dealt with you in it and uh, the Lord's has just been, has been speaking to me and, and trying to help me to understand some things and so I was thinking about today and um, I'd probably preach the same thing every time I preach, whatever, I don't care but I, apparently I need to hear it and apparently you do too because uh, the Lord, I felt like this was what the Lord put in my heart yesterday. And uh, I'm just going to speak this to you tonight. Philippians, the, four, the fourth chapter. And uh, I didn't get there. Hang on. Philippians, the fourth chapter. And the 19 verses. You could all re- probably quote anyway. And my Bible is not cooperating with me. Hang on. There we are. Four... Nineteen. We spoke about this Wednesday night in our class, so those of you who are in there, deal with it. (laughs) Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse 19. We're just going to read the first part to begin with. But my God shall supply all of your needs. Amen. The church anthem of America. My God shall so supply all of your needs. If you would bow your heads tonight, Lord, we ask you, Jesus. God, just help me to share what you put on my heart, God. Yes, amen. that I might just be a vessel, God, of your words. Lord, for everyone that hears tonight, God, that we would just understand what it is you want us to hear, Lord, and that we would be changed by your word. God, that we would draw closer to you by it, Lord. And we ask you that tonight in your name. Amen. amen. Never lacking, never without. I mean, you preach this message, and you could bring in the crowds by the the gazillions. Because the Lord will supply all of your needs. This is wonderful. It makes me want to just like smile right now, just thinking about it. Because God is going to supply everything that I need. The only problem is my needs and what God thinks I need are not always the same. That's right. I want to take us to the next place. I just had to start us out there because I want us to to see... um, when God's talking about supplying all of our needs, it's not what we think it is. But it's always what God thinks it is. And so I want to take you to a couple of really, I just picked three to tonight familiar scriptures that I just want to share with you, what, what the Lord's been putting in my heart. And this first one is in Genesis, the 22nd chapter. Something I said, uh, you guys are all going to know all these scriptures. You've all read the stories, and that's okay. I just want you to bear with me tonight. We'll not be here more than 15 minutes, Cooper says. Says, well, Dad, we all badly preach tonight we'll be done by seven fifteen. i think we'll be done earlier it's a lot earlier than this amen i don't know i tried something different tonight so I, it may flop usually i write down everything that i'm going to say on, on my notes and i never say half of it and so tonight i'm going to put some PowerPoints down on there so i may preach the worst that can happen is i'll preach 15 minutes like i normally do but, i mean if that's the worst that can happen hey you're all used to it right Genesis, the 22nd chapter. And we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Uh, here we are. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Or in verse four. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar of off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with these donkeys, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon his son, or upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went, both of them together. Verse 7, And Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Something that we teach in kids' class, probably been taught in the last month in kids' class, because it's just an easy verse for us to let the kids understand, but... As I started looking into this a little bit, there's some things here that, that uh, kind of go against the myths that I thought that this story was about, and that is I always saw Abraham taking his little tiny son with him to go and offer him up on the mountain. And I don't think that's the case as we begin to read this, uh, this story here, that Abraham was not just a small child. If we look back in uh, chapter 21, it says that uh, Isaac was weaned, so we know he was more than five years old. After Isaac is, or uh, after the sacrifice in verse uh, chapter twenty-three, we can see that Sarah was one hundred and twenty-seven when she died. So it'd be safe to say that that Isaac was somewhere between the ages of five and say thirty-six years old when they went up on the mountain. So he definitely was not the little child that I thought he was. But I want to point out a few things as we look at this because God supplies a lot of needs, and when we look at the scripture, the first thing we think of when God supplies all of our needs is. That God provided a ram for Isaac as he was getting ready to lay, uh, or for Abraham as he was laying Isaac on the altar and getting ready to slay him. But I want to see just a few things here in verse uh, in verse four. It says that after the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place afar off. Now I don't know about you. I've had a few boys. I took them hunting. I even took Katie hunting one time when she was really little, and we laughed. We like to laugh about this because I took her dove hunting. And it was about a mile from the truck to where we were going to go dove hunting. And she was a little tight. And I put her in, the be- in one of those little uh, seats on the back of the bicycle. And I rode her out there. Because she couldn't make the journey because it was so far. And we got out there and she ate one fruit snack. And she says, Is it time to go? <laughs> My point is, is this Abraham would not have in a little child with him to go on a three days journey. It would be too far for a little, a little lad to walk. Verse 6, it says that Abraham put the firewood on his son Isaac for the offering. I'm sorry, but I don't think Brandon's going to take enough wood for an offering on top of an altar and stick it on Carter's back and say, pack it up the hill, son. It doesn't work. So there's all these things that are beginning to point at something that says that Isaac was a little bit older than what we originally thought he was. Because I just saw Isaac as this little tiny baby, and 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 Abraham's leading him up the mountain. And when they get to the top of the mountain, it's just so easy for him to take care of Isaac and lay him on the altar. Verse seven, it says that Isaac asked his father, it "says Here is the fire and the wood, but where is the offering?" Which, in my eyes, goes to show us that Abraham, that Isaac was old enough to understand. The sacrificial ceremony that was about to happen right. and so he wasn't a little guy who just had ran around the church while everybody was doing their sacrifices but that he had been taught and brought up in the ways of the sacrificial ceremonies and so he hadn't been of an age that he knew what was going on right. but God really did supply all that Abraham needed yeah. It wasn't that God supplied a ram while he was there, but God is beginning to supply Abraham from the very beginning, from the time of verse 1 in this in this chapter. He's beginning to supply Abraham with something that I don't believe that Abraham can possess without the Lord in his life. And that is the faith that says, I just trust you. Amen. There's a faith here that Abraham has that, that I don't know that we possess even as As much as we love the Lord, that in those moments where God says, this is what I want you to do, that we're willing to just step up. And Abraham, without hesitation, begins to get everything together to take his son up and offer him to the Lord as a sacrifice. Abraham had been praying for a son. He'd been praying for the son that God had promised him. He'd been 100 years old before he finally has this child. And now God is asking him to offer him up. And without hesitation, Abraham says, I'll do it, Lord. That is faith that I believe that only God can instill in us. And the only way that God can instill a kind of faith in us is because we are in touch with who God is in our own personal lives. I'm reading this book right now. and it's talking about the names of uh, who uh, God and Jesus are. And one thing that he said that just really touched me is that you can't know the names of God unless you know them personally in your own life. We can say Jehovah Jireh, he supplies all my needs, but until we've been in the place where God has supplied all of our needs, we don't really know that that's what his name is or that it really applies unto our lives. And all those different names of the Old Testament that God has, we don't understand them until God becomes them to us. And Abraham is now the God, or sees this God as being the God of faith as he's going up the mountain to sacrifice his old, his only son who I I believe you can think this is conjecture but I believe that he was a young man above his teenage years and that he was old enough that at 100 years old or uh, let's say he was 115 because Isaac's 15 years old it'd be pretty easy for a 15 year old to manhandle a 115 year old and say you're not putting me on that altar but the thing that Abraham was living out when God tells him to take his only son and sacrifice him on the mountain has been something that that Abraham has passed on to Isaac. And Isaac has has known the faith that that his dad has taught him and he lives it out just as Abraham lives it out, because when his father says, I'm going to bind you and I'm going to stick you on the altar, Isaac has no problem but to just be bound by his father, who's way older and way weaker than he is, and say, okay, well, God, or, Father, if this is what you want, then I'll do it. Right. Yeah. We can be sure of this, church. Our children will begin to walk out in faith as they see us walking out in faith. Yeah. And our children will walk away from the faith when they see us begin to doubt the faith that has been bestowed upon us by our God. We want our children to walk faithfully before us, and we've got to walk faithfully before God in front of them. They have the choice. Don't get me wrong tonight. They have the choice to do what they will. But they cannot know what real faith is unless they see it walked out inside of their parents' lives. And Isaac has seen his father... Who he knows has waited his entire life for a son, who without hesitation says, I will walk to the top of the mountain and sacrifice my son if that's what God tells me to do. It's easy for us to say, we'll do this and we'll do that. I'll do whatever God tells me to do. I would deny the faith. Peter says, that I, Lord, I'll go with you wherever you go. And the Lord says, before the cock crows three times tonight, you'll deny me. In the moments, we at any moment we can say whatever it is we want to say. But when the moment comes down to it, do we really have the faith that God that we say we have when God calls us to do something that we can't accomplish without Him intervening for us and giving us the faith to just trust and believe that He can do it? This is what God has called us to. God has called us to just trust in Him. Something that we've been talking about in our house tonight. I just had to tell Heather the other day. Either we trust Jesus or we don't. Right. There's no I trust Jesus to heal me, but I don't trust that He's going to take care of my finances. Yeah. Or I trust He's going to take care of my finances, but I don't believe He can save my children. Oh, yeah. Either we trust God or we don't. Yeah. And Abraham says, listen, I trust you. I trust you, God. Yeah. Yeah. If you say sacrifice the Son, then I'll lay Him on the altar and I'll sacrifice Him. Yeah. And I says, Father, if God told you to do it, then do it, and he lays down on the altar. I believe there was no kicking, there was no screaming, there was no. I don't trust this this uh, process. It was just Isaac saying, "Okay, Dad, I trust you." Only is done because he, his father lived down his faith before him. God truly did supply everything Abraham needed. It wasn't a ram. It wasn't his son. But it was a faith that only God can give. It was a faith that says, I don't have anything else to trust in but what you tell me, Jesus. And that is the thing that God supplied all of Abraham's needs in those moments. I want you to turn over with me to Jonah. I told you we're going to talk about some scriptures tonight that you you already know, but a few of these kind of hit home a little bit more than others. Now, God never told me to go to Nineveh, but at the end of this, this book, I can, I can associate with Jonah. And we're going to get there in a minute, so I'm not going to jump ahead of myself. But Jonah, the first chapter, verse 2 and 3. Amen. Jonah 1, 2 and 3. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he could pay the fare thereof, and he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You ever ran from the presence of the Lord? I think we all could say we have. God was willing to show pity on a wicked people, but Jonah chose to run from what God was calling him. Jonah decides to run from the presence of the Lord, and God supplies everything that Jonah needs. See, there's been those times in my life where I ran from God, and God put a fish in my life to save me from drowning. And I believe it and we know it that God sent that fish to save Jonah's life. He did. He showed mercy upon Jonah even though Jonah was running from the presence of God. And in these moments we can say, I'm running from the presence of the Lord and God can say, I have mercy enough to save your life if you'll just come back to what I've called you to. I want to go to uh, verse or chapter 4 in verse 1 and 2. And this is where me and Jonah... Not today, but in the past. I've been where Jonah was here. Chapter four, verse one and two says, "But it, it, and, and God has come in and saved the city. Jonah went to preach and they all repented and God saw that they had turned from their evil ways. In verse or chapter four, verse one, it says, but it pleased Jonah exceedingly, earth. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. <laughs> and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was this not my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah says, God, didn't I tell you so? Didn't I tell you so this was exactly what's going to happen? A wicked people who deserve death, you were going to save them? That's why I didn't want to go, God. Jonah becomes a very bitter man. A man that I can say it happened in my life a, a long time ago. And when bitterness begins to come in, there's only one way to get out of it, and that's by Jesus Christ. That's by God giving us mercy and grace that's sufficient for us. By God supplying all of our needs, there's only one way to get a mercy great enough to pull you out of bitterness in your life, and that's by the mercies of Jesus. And Jonah was a bitter man. He didn't, he didn't like what God was going to do with the people. He didn't like that God was letting the people repent. And in my life, God says, it doesn't matter how God deals with people. It doesn't matter how God doesn't deal with people. It doesn't matter how God blesses people. It doesn't matter how God doesn't bless people. All that God cares about is that we seek the Lord and do as he asks us to do. If God wants to deal with the people, then let him deal with them. If he doesn't want to deal with them, then let him not deal with them. It's not our business. Our business is to find and seek the one who can save us and who can give us the mercy. God supplied Jonah all that he needed, and that was mercy when he was running from the presence of the Lord. And grace when he said, I'm so bitter that I can't believe you would even save these wicked people. Because I've been a wicked person, and I know that God gives enough grace to save wicked people. But he says, Jonah, I forgive you of your bitterness. I give you grace for your bitterness. Come back out of that thing. God does supply all of our needs. Amen. Amen. Mark, the second chapter, and I believe somebody just a few weeks ago was speaking of this here in the church. One of my, I wouldn't say favorite, but I, I like this this uh, setting of Scripture because these guys had some zeal about it. In the 5th chapter, or I'm sorry, the 2nd chapter, the 5th verse, they bring the paralytic to the Lord and they can't get in the house. We all know the story. So they go up on top and start tearing the roof off to be able to lower them down into the Lord. And when Jesus saw their faith, He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. God has supplied all of his needs. Yeah, right. The scribes, just like a lot of us, when we're looking at different situations throughout the church and with other people that we know, the scribes are sitting there saying, why didn't you just heal the man? Why do you have to say, thy sins be forgiven thee? And God says, because it's sufficient for me to be able to say that his sins are forgiven, that he can become whole and his sickness will leave him. Yeah. And this is where God, God knows better than us and so often we want to say God why don't you just tell the man he's healed and let him get up and go back to his house and God says because I need to forgive them of their sins and each one of us can be just like the paralytic who are friends that brought us into the church and said Jesus here they are they're paralyzed they can't do nothing for themselves and Jesus says I have enough mercy to say I forgive you of your sins you've got a lot of other things going wrong in your life you might be paralyzed but if you can't get the sin forgiven in your life then you'll never be made whole and you'll never understand that I do supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. Man, it's so easy and it's so fun for the church to take the scripture and just tear out what they want, cross out what they don't want, and just say, God, you're going to supply everything for me. Man, if that scripture would you say, God, is going to supply all of my bills. Woo! We could preach some revival with that. I'd have to start hopping around here like Brother Man. <laughs> but God says He's going to supply all our needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Oh, yeah. It's only in the Lord. Yes. But here's the thing is that we cannot receive what God is trying to give us until we've abandoned our perception of what we think we need. Right. Yeah. Let me say that again because some of you didn't catch it. And you cannot receive what God is trying to supply you until you're ready to abandon, abandon your perception of what you think you need. Yeah, right. This is not God saying, tell me what you need. Yeah. Oh, we love to go to the Scripture. God will give me all the desires of my heart. Your heart is deceitfully wicked. Right. Right. But when we can finally lay down the perception of what we think we need and just say, God, supply all of it. My needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We begin to see God begin to do something in our lives that we cannot do for ourselves. Our needs will always be, every single time, be according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Faith will never be outside of Jesus, mercy will never be outside of Jesus. Hope and strength and knowledge and wisdom and forgiveness and salvation will never be found outside of Jesus. But we look for it all the time. All the time we're looking for hope and we're looking for strength and we're looking for something to to get us what we think we need. And God says, it's not found anywhere but in me. And this in our house is just something that we have got to work on, something that I, we were laughing the other day, Brother uh, Rodney and I, and we, you know, business can be up and down sometimes when you're self-employed and he says, Brother, I've learned my lesson about trusting the Lord. Could you please hurry up and learn it so we can get some work? <laughs> I said, Amen, Brother. I'm trying. I'm trying, but obviously the Lord's still working on me. God will us to just rely upon Him. Yeah. He wants us to let Him supply all of our needs, but it's not all, what we think our needs are, but it is what his, He desi- desires for us yes. in Christ Jesus. When the merchant who found the pearl of great price hid in the field, he sold all that he had to buy the field. Yeah. And God told me, when are you going ri- to get rid of everything? Are you ready to let go of it all? All the things you've worked for? All the things that you thought that you've earned? All that you've labored for? All that you've obtained? All that you've saved? All that you thought precious? Are you willing to let them all go so that you can afford to buy the pearl of great price? Because that's what God offers us. But He doesn't give us the opportunity to buy it until we've forsaken all. Sold it all. The merchant sold everything. The scripture says, "Unless they ha- you hate your wife, hate your spouse, hate your children more than you than the love that you have for the Lord, you're none of His. The Lord is asking us: Are you willing to give up everything to receive what you have need of from the Lord? Stop looking at it as a physical thing. Does God supply financially for us? Absolutely. Does sometimes we lose everything that we have. Pastor and Rodney and myself and, and some of you other ones that say, absolutely, God took it all. Or it was the devil, whoever it was, but it all disappeared. <laughs> My point is this, it's not about what we can possess. It's not about what we can touch. But what it is about is what Jesus can fill us with. Amen. And if God is going to supply all of our needs then we need to be able to say, I would give up everything right this minute. I would give it all up to be able to receive what I need in my life. Amen. Yeah. And we all know what that is. It's a touch from Jesus. It's God giving us faith when we feel like we don't have the faith. Listen, there's moments in our life where we just wonder, how am I going to make it through till tomorrow? How could I ever have enough faith to believe that God could do this? And Jesus says, I'm the one who supplies the faith to give you that faith. You can't do it upon yourself, but I'm the one who supplies all your needs. How, Lord, am I going to trust you in these moments where I can't see where things are going to be? And Jesus says, if you'll just look to me, I'll supply all of your needs, according to His riches, in glory, in Christ Jesus. It doesn't ever say He's going to supply everything that we think we need in this world, but He says He's going to supply it in His riches, and glory, in Christ Jesus. Listen, we're looking for the wrong treasure. I've been looking for the wrong thing. I thought I needed something else, and God says, here's what you need. You need help. You need strength. And all those things only come from one source. And it's not from you obtaining them by yourself. But it's you crying out to me and saying, Lord, supply all my needs. Whatever they are. If you ask me to step up in a place that I don't think I can do it, God, I'll do it because I have nothing else to trust in but you because you're the only thing, the only one who's been faithful to me my whole life. Yes. This is what God's talking about. Yes. If you want God to supply all of your needs, it has to be in His riches, in His glory, in, through, and by, and for Jesus Christ. That's it. That's what God promised us. Stop being mad at God when you don't have enough money to do the things you want to do, because God doesn't care about that. Right. What God does care about is that you have faith. When God says, take your only son up the mountain and sacrifice him to me. When God says, I'll give you mercy, you'll just go do what I ask you to do. Or when you run from the presence of God, God will show up and give you mercy. This is the supplying of all of our needs. Thank you Jesus. That he does that for us. Who am I, God, that you would be mindful of me? Little old guy from Conway, California. Little old hick town. God cared enough. Yeah. When I was running, somebody him. When I said, God, I don't even need God. Somebody said one time in high school, you need God's help in this matter. I don't even need God. And God put his mercy out there and says, here I am. I'll supply by all of your needs. you will just turn to me that's what God's telling us tonight it doesn't matter what our situation it doesn't matter what we're going through or what we're believing for or what we don't think we have the faith to believe for God is just saying listen I'll supply all your needs I'll supply you the faith I'll supply you the mercy I'll give you the ability to trust when you don't think you can do it I'll lift you up when you feel like you're in the bottom of the belly of a fish but you gotta trust me Amen. to receive what I have for you. Amen. Amen. That's it, Pastor. Amen. Amen.